0: Jesus Bible and Current Events from a Christian perspective battling spiritual wickedness in high places one podcast at a time. This is the High Places Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Jim. So what's been going on lately? Well, a lot of political stuff as usual. I'm I'm uh, fascinated by the bido uh, Beto er Bido Robert O. Babo, I don't know. Beto O'Rourke? Did you know that the guy's name is Robert Francis O'Rourke? That's interesting to me because um, I wonder if he was named after Robert Francis Kennedy. I've, I've been trying to figure out this guy's appeal, and apparently I'm not the only one because a lot of people talk about. Uh, what does this guy stand for? Uh, even the Democrats can't seem to pin down whether he's a quote-unquote progressive or a moderate or it depends on whether he's running in a Democratic primary or a general election and his position shifts accordingly. Or Nobody seems to uh, be able to nail this stuff down. And they talk about what his appeal is. Um, because I see comments in that on different websites from, you know, people that have read stories and they're like, what is his policy position on uh, anything? Uh, is it consistent? Do it, what does he stand for? And this guy's kind of struck me as a little bit of a, uh, not to be mean, but kind of like an empty shirt. I mean, it's like it, his appeal seems to be personality based. Um, and I even read something today about, uh, they were talking about Elizabeth Warren and, uh, you know, whether you agree with her policies or not, she's come out with a bunch of them and very specific. Um, but this article is saying people don't really vote based on policies as much as they, you know, vote on personality, which is terrifying. Uh, but I guess since we're, uh, a culture that is, uh, drowning in media, and uh, celebrity addiction, it shouldn't be surprising that um, uh, style is chosen over substance. But so it just kind of made me wonder: is this like, is this like the you know next Kennedy thing? Are people looking? Is that what the his supporters and the Democrats are looking for? Because I remember back in '92, you know, they had that famous picture of uh, Bill Clinton when he was a kid shaking hands with uh, JFK. And I remember that at the uh, Democratic National Convention, they, you know, had a kind of a life story video on him. And that was one of the pictures in there. And, you know, the crowd just went crazy. And so it was supposed to be this, you know, the next coming of uh, JFK uh, because Bill was a young guy back then. And so you wonder how much of that is this with uh, uh, Robert uh, Francis O'Rourke as well, or is it just like Manchurian candidate thing? Um, he is an empty shirt. And so the powers behind him and the powers that fund him can just have him do whatever they want. If he wins, um, wouldn't be the first time we had a president like that. So, um, but so that was just, that's kind of a, you know, he's making a lot of money and getting a lot of publicity, but then like as soon as he, you know, announced and there was all this fervor and this build up that what was, it, what was it, the Vanity Fair article and all this, then like the liberal media started attacking him because he's like a rich white guy and he's exactly the kind that the Marxists go after, you know, the rich people that just inherited money from their parents that didn't actually do anything to earn it or build a business or do whatever. He got like, I think he's worth like nine million bucks. He just got it from his dad and his wife's worth like half a billion dollars. And I think she got it from her parents. So, um, yeah, that's funny. That's going to be kind of hard to go after those evil rich people. If you have a, um, a trust fund candidate, um, as as your nominee, I guess. I don't know. We'll just, uh. We'll see how that all turns out, but that was kind of funny to me. Um, And then the uh, Mueller report came out, and uh, no smoking gun apparently. Um, And so without diving into all the details of that, the funny thing about that uh, to me is that the same people who were, you know, defending this guy and backing this guy for like two years because they were expecting a very specific outcome, and and that is basically, you know, something that they could impeach the president with, uh, looking for high crimes and misdemeanors or uh, any other excuse they can find. Um, but they didn't get that. And now it's like they're kind of undermining what this guy did for two years and, you know, questioning the whole thing. Is there a fix in or is there a cover up and all this uh, crazy stuff? And it's like, huh. So it looks less and less like this was a search for facts and truth and more like uh, just kind of a formality uh, with an expected outcome so that they could take the next step and basically try to nullify the 2016 presidential election. And now uh, folks are up in arms. And it just it kind of struck me that um, that is emblematic that uh, we are not, a fact-based culture, um, at all. Uh, and it's, uh, it's more about, you know, what you feel or what you want even talk about a civilization of spoiled children. Um, but and I ran across a survey that was done by a uh, few research, I think just a couple of years ago. And they looked at any number of things, uh, in the population, but there was a section on religion and they broke it down by state. And this was pretty interesting. And there was any number of religious topics they covered, you know, how often do you read your Bible, how often do you go to church, things like that. Um, but there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. And one was uh, sources of guidance on right and wrong. And there were, I think they gave them four or five different options religion, uh, philosophy, and reason. Uh, common sense, uh, science, and don't know. And so the interesting part about this to me is even if you look at states that you kind of think of as conservative, um, there was no state in the entire country, not one, where over 50% of the people said that their source of guidance on right and wrong was religion. There were 3 states where it was 50%. It was uh Al, which one was it? Alabama, Arkansas was close at 48. Uh Alabama, uh Mississippi, and where's the other one? West Virginia. Were the only 3. And then the other states were lower than that and some by a significant amount. Um b- and the one that was the biggest um was common sense but that's kind of a nebulous thing. Who's common sense? Because depending on how you view the world, and there is quite a, a difference of viewpoints um, in this country. So I don't know how common common sense is anymore. Um, and so there were a, a lot of states. If you look at that one and philosophy and reason, if you put those together, there are actually 38 states that were over 50 percent when you look at those two, but even just common sense by itself was huge in most states. Even again, ones that you would think of as kind of conservative, and uh, and you might uh, infer that that means they're more religious, but no. Um, this whole dependen dependence on oneself and one's view of what makes sense, what's right and wrong. And philosophy, people's reasoning, right so um, uh, the Bible talked about vain philosophy uh in the New Testament, and so if you look at that, the dependence on man's reasoning versus God's word and god's authority, and in thirty eight of the fifty states a a majority um, over fifty percent um Believe that uh man is the one that had the right answers, and that one uh can base their decisions on rather than God, so there's three hundred and thirty million people in this country, and so there can be three hundred and thirty million different opinions on what is right and what is wrong and just to kind of back that up a little bit, one of the other question they questions they asked was a belief in absolute standards for right and wrong. And so the options were, uh, there are clear standards for what is right and wrong. Uh, One of the other ones was, right or wrong depends on the situation. Uh, And then uh, neither, both equally, and don't know. Um, Which do you think had the largest numbers? (laughs) Not the absolute standards. Not the clear standards. Nope. Right and wrong depends on the situation. Wow. So that's pretty fluid. Depending on the circumstances you find yourself in, um, something that may be wrong in in one circumstance may be perfectly fine in another. And you're going to depend on your own common sense and reasoning and man's philosophy to make that determination. And so that sounds very, oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah, situations are different. But our legal system doesn't operate that way. I mean, if you steal something, it doesn't matter where you're stealing it from, it's still stealing. Um If you assault somebody... And you it's not you know you have you're not defending yourself you're just walking in, up to someone and you punch them in the head um It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing you've assaulted somebody um but we see we see, we see uh the laws kind of getting fuzzy on that too It's interesting um I watched something uh this week on uh it was some documentary done in Seattle by a local news station. And they talked about, you know, is Seattle dying? Because Seattle has a uh, big homeless uh, problem. Um, But it's really a drug problem. And it's funny because they had like the top, like, uh, repeat offenders, criminals, in the city of Seattle, like the top 100 of them. The top 100 were all homeless. um, And I think they said they were all 100% were drug addicts and yet the problem is couched in terms of not enough affordable housing um, and that's why these people are living on the street and doing these criminal acts and it's like well if you're spending all your money on drugs and you probably can't hold down a job because you're on drugs uh, the chances of you being able to pay rent uh, go down precipitously um but yet the talk isn't about that. Because especially for the city of Seattle, so in the state of Washington, marijuana's legal, but it's illegal to smoke marijuana in a public place. You're supposed to stay in your home. Um because all the people who are worried about secondhand cigarette smoke apparently aren't so worried about the uh secondhand marijuana smoke. Um well, but according to the law you're not supposed to, so that you don't, you know, share your marijuana smoke with people who may not want it. But in the city of Seattle, the police were instructed not to arrest anybody who was smoking marijuana in public. Um, in fact, I'd defy you to go to downtown Seattle on a Friday or Saturday night and try to walk around some of the more populated areas and not get a lung full of, uh, Marijuana smoke, but so the police were specifically told not to enforce the law because people want to just smoke their marijuana, and it's all about what people want, and not about the laws. In fact, it's so bad that um, you're allowed in the city of Seattle to carry like three grams of like narcotics. Like we're not talking marijuana anymore. We're talking like heavy duty stuff, like heroin, like methamphetamines methamphetam- and I mean all that, you know, crystal meth and all this, you're allowed to do that. So it's like, okay, how do you, as like a city, how do you tell people, you know, you need to get off of drugs so that you won't be homeless anymore. Um, but we'll let you smoke drugs uh, or smoke your marijuana and take your drugs on our sidewalks. It's, it's, it's like a total mixed message. And I guess that's the situational ethics that, you know, um, yeah, people are doing drugs and they're homeless because of it. And um, that's okay, uh, despite what the law says. Um, And and so, like, nobody talks about it. I think they said that Seattle spent, like, it cost them like a billion dollars a year (laughs) with all the homeless folks just for the cleanup and the services and... The food banks and the shelters and health care and on and on and on and on. Um, And and yet it's like, okay, if you want to do it, enjoy. And we'll say it's something else. We'll say it's because rent is too expensive, not because you're too stoned to get a job. Um, And then we'll spend lots and lots and lots of money on the thing that isn't the problem so that you keep enjoying the thing that is the problem because we want you to have fun and we'll subsidize it apparently the people paying the taxes will subsidize it um and yet and they even had like some property owners and people like that um Saying, yeah, you know, Seattle's really turning into a dump and, oh, it's just terrible. And all of this, like, it really does look like a war zone or some third world country. Um And yet it's like, um you're the ones that keep voting for the politicians that do this stuff. I think they even had, like, a tiny house village where they, like, gave people free houses. And they trashed the black. They trashed the place. I think they closed it down because it was like drug infested and it like was just turned into a garbage dump. And it's like, you get a free home and they they couldn't even keep it nice. Um, But it's like, that's what happens when it's like you have this situational morality and um, everybody can decide for themselves what's right and wrong. I was uh, watching this uh, documentary on um, Freud and psychoanalysis. And his thing was, you know, he was afraid of people. He thought, you know, people are really wicked. They're pretty evil. It's just like lurking under the surface. You know, there's this kind of pretense of civilization, and, but it doesn't take much to turn civilized people into absolute animals. Um, and so whether he meant to or not, he kind of reinforced what the Bible says about man's sinful nature uh, and original sin. And that people are evil. People are just evil by nature. Um, but that's counter to what we hear today, right? This whole idea that everybody is basically good. Well, that isn't true. That's the exact opposite of what God says. So, um, it shouldn't be surprising that the devil's world, uh, tells everybody that people are basically good. Um, So, yeah, why do you need a savior if you're basically good? And how dare God send you to hell if you're such a good person? Um, But Freud, um, who was not a Christian, um, you know, he thought, you know, people, these people are scary. And so his solution, though, so that's where the psychoanalysis came from. He figured if people could see where all this was coming from, then they could do things to address it and hopefully, you know, get over their, you know, animal urges. And his uh, sister, Anna, was big into this. And, you know, she, her solution was to, you know, uh, have like societal norms and teach children societal norms. And then that would restrain people. And she had like a friend who had a few kids. And so she moved in with this family and, um, and helped raise these kids and did all this stuff to, you know, kind of bring them up this way. And they were like the showcase of, the, you know, how successful psychoanalysis can be. But then they grew up and they had problems. And I think one of the kids grew up and was an alcoholic and another, uh, you know, had marital problems. And I think the one that was an alcoholic actually like went back to this house because Anna and this lady, this kid's mother, you know, they were still living there. It was in London and he came back and stayed there. This was like Freud's house is where Freud stayed uh he lived in london after he got out of um austria uh at the start of world war II, Oh, start of world war two and so this is basically freud's house and this kid now an adult goes back and he commits suicide at freud's house after being raised with this you know psychoanalysis stuff uh from uh from freud's sister um and so that's like Okay, so um, it's trying to fix a problem. It's trying to fix the problem of sin, not with Jesus, not with salvation and regeneration through the Holy Spirit, which is what we get when we're saved, but through man's efforts. So salvation or um, relief from sin, or at least the effects of sin, not through Jesus, but through man, Again, man's own philosophy, man's own wisdom and common sense. And it failed. And so, but you you still, this mentality is pervasive in our culture. So why do the Marxists have this kind of utopian ideal that if you just, you know, do these certain things and redistribute wealth and pass these kinds of laws and have these government programs, then you'll have this perfect world. Now, set aside for the fact that the Marxists do it because they have to hold out the promise of some extraordinary heaven on earth in order to get all the power it takes um, to do things like that, power that they want. And so, set aside the power play uh, of that for a minute. Um, they make this promise of this utopian world but they forget that that world includes human beings. And so if you acknowledge what God says, that humans are by nature sinful, you'll know that as long as there's human in, humans involved, you're not going to have utopia. So you have to put out this idea that humans are by nature good. Because then humans aren't the problem. Humans aren't the ones keeping us from utopia. It's you know, this law or this politician or this group or this corporation, or we just need more of this or we just need more of that. And so it's, again, it's trying to achieve heaven on earth without God. Um, Because the only time you're going to have all this is when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom. And even then, even in the millennial kingdom, there are going to be people at the end that rebel against him. And they can't plead ignorance that they don't know if God exists. Jesus is going to be ruling from Jerusalem. And still people rebel because there's still some sinful people. Um, Those who weren't caught up in the rapture, those who were um, born uh, during the kingdom. And so, and then there's the final battle at the end of the millennium and then all the bad folks are into the lake of fire and then then finally um there'll be no more tears uh and uh, no more sin uh but even for a thousand years of jesus reigning people still find there's still some people that find an excuse for rebelling and so this whole kind of anti-fact thing. And you can go back to the Mueller thing again. That wasn't a search for truth. And now that the outcome wasn't what people wanted, all of a sudden this, you know, is like some, you know, evil guy that, uh, is trying to cover something up or didn't do his job or something, something, Uh, because it wasn't the truth that people wanted. And so people want their own reality. Uh, people want their own ideas of right and wrong. Uh, People want to rely on themselves uh, to determine uh, what's allowable and what's not in a particular situation. And so the authority of God uh, who says, you know what, Um, I'll tell you what's right and wrong. I am the authority. There aren't 330 million of of me. There aren't 7 billion of me. There's one of me, one, uh, from before eternity started uh, to be on when it, uh, would end. Uh, I know it's a contradiction. Eternity goes on forever. Um, but God sets that standard and people, because of our rebellious nature go, Nope, uh, we don't like God's standard. And that's what unbelief comes down to. Uh, in the end, it isn't, uh, people know God exists. And it's funny because uh, when I've talked to people that say they don't believe in God, I I ask them, um, okay, so what would it take for you to believe that God exists? What could he do right now to to convince you beyond a shadow of a doubt that he exists? And then they would say something, or maybe they weren't sure, but I'd say, okay, so let's say God goes ahead and does that and convinces you that he exists. And then he says, everything in the Bible is true. Heaven, hell, sin, salvation, the things that God says are wrong. All those things are true. What would you say to him? And 95% of the people, at least, would argue with him. Uh, they would either be belligerent, like say, hey, well, you know, why are you such a jerk? Why are you, you know, not letting me do what I want? Or they would try to convince God, <laughs> uh, to change his mind and believe what they believe about right and wrong. So even if God convinced them that he existed, they still wouldn't listen to him. They would still disrespect him. Because it isn't about belief. They just don't like God's rules. And they really don't like that he punishes people for breaking them. And so that that is reflected in these poll numbers. People don't want to listen to God. They don't want to obey God, and they believe that they can create their own heaven without him, uh, that they can fix whatever's wrong with people uh, without salvation, without Jesus, without regeneration from the Holy Spirit. Basically, they can replace God with man, and man can solve the problem. Now, tell me that doesn't come straight from the devil. And yet that mindset is absolutely pervasive you know, at an individual level on a day-to-day basis in how people view right and wrong. And you can even see it in politics and government policy as people work to create this utopia. And it's all based on this idea that people and not God can take care of the effects of sin but they're forgetting or they're denying that there's one effect in particular that people can't do anything about, and that's damnation. And when this life is over, it doesn't matter what sort of heaven on earth people think they've created or tried to create in this world. Uh, we're all going to be held accountable for our sins. And any attempts we made in this life are going to be futile if they're based on us. The only one who saves us from damnation, saves us from hell, is Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that could make the perfect atonement for the crimes we've committed against the holy and perfect God. And folks can choose to ignore him or disagree with him on what is right and wrong, uh, but he is the judge. and He's also the one who provides mercy and amnesty from the punishment for these crimes. Uh, But people, uh, as a country, and uh, this certainly isn't isolated to the United States, but it's just amazing to see how uh, we've veered off course. People in our culture are much more willing to listen to themselves and other people about what is right and what is wrong and how to solve problems and um, where we should get our guidance. Uh, How many people who call themselves Christians read their Bibles every day? The world lies to us every single day about all sorts of stuff. The Bible is where we get the truth. And so, who wins every day? Today, who won? Did the world put more of its vain philosophy in your head? Or did God put his word in your head today? If you're not open in your Bible, uh, then you're listening to yourself. And you're depending on your own common sense. Uh, but there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians that, I don't know, that Bible gets pretty dusty during the week. Maybe they open it up on Sunday, or if they had a bad day at work, or if they've got a problem, um but every day that you don't open that Bible and read God's Word and hear what He has to teach you about what He says, you probably listen to something from the world today, so who won the mind share today, God of the world? You can see in this these numbers what people think. Of God's standards compared to man's standards hmm. so it's uh it's interesting to see how these mindsets how the devil uses these things and on an individual level and then it expands out to an entire culture um, to where uh, the majority of people uh, trust their own wisdom. And so there was another time when this went on. If you've ever read through the book of Judges, there's a particularly, there's, there's this phrase in here that's in a couple of places, but there's a particularly lurid section at the end of Judges, uh, 19, 20, and 21. Just to show you how bad it was, that period of time in Israel's history was a terrible, terrible time, terrible time. And that last story, the story in those three chapters just kind of illustrates how bad it was but there's a verse that's repeated uh and uh, in this case it's uh, judges 21 verse 25 in those days there was no king in israel every man did that which was right in his own eyes this was before um uh, uh, god uh let the people have a king cuz they had uh uh, been demanding a king, so God uh, turned them over to their uh, sin, because God was their king. God was the one ruling over them, uh, and they didn't want to listen to God either. Uh, and so they did that which was right in their own eyes. So this unfortunately isn't anything new, um, but it uh, it made for a a pretty bad situation for the children of Israel. And uh, we now live uh, in a nation in which every man does that which is right in his own eyes. Uh, And once again, specifically, ignoring God, just like Israel did all those years ago. The devil keeps using the same tricks because they keep working. So, uh, listen less to the world. Open up your Bible, listen to God, uh, and make your decisions uh, based on what he says is right and wrong, and not what you think, and not what the world tells you to think, uh, are right and wrong. So there it is. That was an interesting one. Uh, we appreciate everybody uh, listening in. Uh, be sure to tell your friends. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can reach us at podcast at jesusforsinners.com. dot com. That's podcast at jesusforsinners.com. dot com. That's going to do it for this time. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back again soon. Things have been busy. Been trying to do these more often. Uh, but it's been a little crazy and, um, uh, uh, by God's will, uh, get uh, more of these, uh, out there, uh, but take care everyone. God bless all the best to you. Thanks.